Welcome in to Two for One Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner on this Tuesday edition of Two for One Drafts. We are going to be talking about the latest PFF NFL mock draft, courtesy of Mike Renner, what we think could happen or might happen. Will happen. Will happen, maybe, in the 2020 NFL draft. That dropped on PFF.com on Monday. We're going to talk about our you know some takeaways from the trades you added in that mock draft, which I thought was nice, and also talk about some of our favorite fits, some prospect fits with some good teams in that one. Then we're also going to jump into a second segment here on the Tuesday edition of Two for One Drafts and talk about some value picks that I think could slip into round two. Guys that maybe PFF is higher on than the NFL. Yes. I, I, I think that <laughs> us projecting uh, if you're so if you're doing a mock draft at this point, you're not projecting trades mm-hmm. in your mock draft. I, like it's just not going to be like you, you, there's going to be trades like yeah. there's going to be like a handful of trades every especially single with year. the quarterbacks so in this think, class. Yeah, there's exactly. going to be there's going to be trades at the top end like pretty much always or not always. I guess last year it didn't necessarily happen where teams trade off for QBs, but that was also a fairly weak quarterback class. I think when you have guys like Burrow. Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert, who pretty much a lot of people are penciling into that top 10 mix, you're going to have teams wanting to trade up to go get them. And with that being said, I think the Detroit Lions are in an absolutely beautiful spot because yeah. they're going to get calls from the, yeah, I think the Los Angeles Chargers, maybe even the Carolina Panthers, Miami Dolphins to come up to that number three spot and make sure they secure Tua Tagovailoa or Tagovailoa. And I also think Justin Herbert, too, in the top 10. You don't want him to just fall to the Chargers or Panthers. There are going to be teams that want to jump mm-hmm. ahead and maybe go grab them themselves Justin Herbert you know what I was thinking is an option Oakland Raiders maybe not go all the way up and grab Tua Tungvaluwa but after Tua Tungvaluwa is off the board you go Justin up and tr- yeah you go up and try and grab Justin Herbert maybe trade with the New York Giants because they have the capital they have yeah. two first round picks that's an opportunity to make that move if they do move on from Derek Carr Giants and Dave Gettleman though not a trade back true team. no no you're they right have not been a trade back team over or he I'm, I'm something like he's never traded back to make a pick or is that still valid I got to look that one up again but at least going into last year he had never traded back uh, to make a pick I can't remember what they all did last year but I do have the Dolphins trading up to get to a tongue by low at number three overall the Lions feel like very much that third overall pick is where it's going to the draft's mm-hmm. going to really start because Joe Burrow Chase Young pencil them in one two at this point that one's those ones are easy but then I think the Lions are also in a very good spot in terms of they can trade back and still get their guy like mm-hmm. at number three overall it's like Jeffrey Okuda is is like the pick for them. Like yep. that, that is who you would take at number three overall. But even if they trade back and uh, you know go behind the Giants or you know go behind uh, maybe even the Dolphins, they could still get a Jeffrey Okuda later on if they do move back. So I don't think it's really any skin off their back to get out of that number three overall pick. Yeah, Bengals at one go Joe Burrow. Redskins at two go Chase Young. Like you said, Sharpie those in. Those mm-hmm. are pretty cut and dry. And then Tua Tagovailoa via the trade up from the Dolphins. Giants then take Jedrick Wills of Alabama at number four and then with that trade back the lions they do scoop up jeffrey yeah. akuda great man corner sticky corner that's perfect for what matt patricia wants to do in detroit and the lions or excuse me the dolphins are the team at number five to where if they want one of these quarterbacks they will be able to get them they have mm-hmm. more draft capital than anyone else to play with they can have that no, that they can make the play for that number three overall pick that no one else can make like mm-hmm. they can give up more than anyone else basically can so if they want to uh, he's fully healthy then and again, it's obviously right now projecting it's a little insane uh, to even like try. But mm-hmm. if he's fully healthy and he gets clean bill of health at that point, 
people will probably feel good enough to take him top five still. Remember, too, if you are watching this live on YouTube, the ticker below has the full mock draft list below, so you can look at that while you are listening to this. But at number five, too, you didn't mock this, but I want to bring this up as a potential scenario. Lions trade back from three to five. Let the Dolphins go grab Tua Tungavailoa. Someone wants to jump ahead of six, the Chargers, who are going to probably take Justin Herbert yeah, if he falls. Could they could go back down again, add draft capital to a roster that really needs help across the board. I, I think that's another option, too. But six Chargers, Justin Herbert falls into their lap in this scenario. But I got to talk about number seven, Carolina Panthers. Go grab Isaiah Simpson, Isaiah Simmons, the Clemson linebacker, versatile piece of that defense. I think that's a great start for the Matt Rule era for sure. Yeah, it'd be a fun one, especially with Luke Keekley retiring there. Uh, add him to that defense. And they they just need a lot of help mm-hmm. on that defense. It, it might be, we talked about this, uh, me and Steve did, it might be a full rebuild uh, on their team needs. This Carolina Panthers team, it might strip it down, yep. go, in the, go in the Trevor, Justin Fields sweepstakes for next year, run with uh, whatever, you know, Kyle, Kyle Allen Yikes. for this upcoming year, or Will Greer, just like throw either of those guys out there and, just maybe have it be ugly for a year. Uh, but then that will eventually, with you know, the contracts they did give Matt Rule there uh, for how long he's secured, uh, it's not going to be an overnight. Like They might give him some leeway here in terms of roster building. I think that might be the best situation for Carolina. Go into this year looking to be competitive at you know seven-win, eight-win team with a common, whether it's Cam Newton or even Kyle Allen and Will Greer. I think that's not going to put you in a situation for long-term success as much as a full rebuild at this point would do, especially because you put yourself in the just- Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence conversation for next year, which are two really good quarterbacks uh, going into next year. Let's skip through a little bit of this mock draft. Number eight, love Andrew Thomas, the Georgia offensive tackle, very athletic, smooth-moving offensive tackle, going to a screen-heavy, light personnel-heavy Cardinals offense at eight. Jaguars, Derek Brown of Auburn goes to Jacksonville, frees up those linebackers, a guy that can two-gap play the run at an elite level early in the NFL. Browns, they grab Mekhi Becton of Louisville, a mountain of a man. There are concerns though with his production can we stop there and talk about Mackay Becton going top 10 he's been mocked all the way up to top four to the New York Giants but talk to me about those concerns with his production specifically in pass protection yeah so that's the thing is he had 73 true pass sets past year and 73 is an extremely low number like fewer than 10 a game obviously uh there in that Louisville offense this was the first year that he didn't switch sides because they used to under, uh, gosh, his name's escaping me now, the former head coach, uh, Bob Petrino. Uh, they used to flip their tackles based on the strength of the formation, which to me is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I remember like watching that and being like, what are you thinking? Like you're just screwing these guys in terms of pass protection. Uh, like it's it's very difficult to just switch, you know, your footwork, your hand placement from snap to snap, let alone, or, you know, game to game, let alone snap to snap like mm-hmm. they were asking them to do. So obviously struggled the first two years there. At Louisville, this past year, finally gets to play left tackle full-time, not switch positions, stay there. Great improves a lot, but they are run-heavy, extremely play-action-heavy in that offense. So, like I said, only 73 true pass sets. Every other you know top tackle in this class had well over 100. And on it, he had the lowest by far pass blocking grade of anyone. Still gave up the most pressures. I think he gave up eight pressures on those seventy three. Uh, no, no other you know of these top tackles in this class gave up even eight uh, on their true pass sets over the course of the entire season. So those are concerning numbers. You know, when you haven't pass protected at a high level, we are going to be concerned. But he is six seven. He is three hundred seventy pounds, and he has all the movement skills to play tackle in the NFL. 
you can't teach those things. Mm-hmm. Like those things you can't teach. But I will say, if you're making the comparison to like an Orlando Brown, Orlando Brown was a lot more productive, a lot better already in pass protection coming out than Mekhi Becton was. And Brown slipped all the way to the third round himself. So there you go. All right. Number 11, New York Jets wide receiver Jerry Judy of Alabama. I think that one's money. It's been mocked all offseason. They want to add to that offense, give Sam Darnold a, a legit weapon. Jerry Judy, man, such a fantastic route runner, smooth athlete. I, I do like this guy going up high in the draft. Raiders, go ahead and grab CD Lamb, the wide receiver, of Oklahoma, wide receiver, one A or one B, depending on your how you feel about those two groups. And then number 13, not safety, Grant Delpit. Cowboys go ahead and grab themselves safety Xavier McKinney of Alabama, a playmaker for that defense, a very versatile piece that they can add immediately. Yeah, have them moving up with the Colts because the Colts are always that team that, I mean, Chris Pallard moves backwards in the draft. That is his strategy, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I think you'd give that up for not a lot of added draft capital. And the Cowboys, they get to go get their guy. They have a win-now roster. They have a roster that's built to compete at this very moment, you know, with Mike McCarthy in there now, new coaching staff. Get another playmaker, impact sort of guy who's NFL ready in the middle of that defense. Xavier McKinney, uh, I, I can foresee him, a lot of teams having him as the top safety with all the question marks with Grant Elpitz tackling and the fact that he took a massive step back from sophomore, junior year. Teams are going to be concerned about that. Xavier McKinney, he doesn't have those concerns. Mm-hmm. He played extremely well last year, played extremely well this year for Alabama's defense. Just a very, I'd call him a safe player, safer player than Grant Elpit in terms of just, we've seen him do it at a high level consistently, so I could foresee the Cowboys wanting to add a player like that in the middle of their defense. Oh, absolutely. I think the trade, like you said, it's a win-now situation. You paid Zeke all this money. Yep. Jalon Smith, you're going to have to pay Dak some money this offseason. You're putting a ton of money down right now. You need mm-hmm. to make take advantage of that window, trade up, add some difference makers at certain positions, and go chase a ring. Uh, number 14, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, go ahead and grab Javon Kinlaw, South Carolina, the monster defensive tackle with great length and, and athleticism, great first step. Uh, 15, Denver Broncos, Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle from Iowa. Falcons, go ahead and grab cornerback Christian Fulton of LSU. And I think, man, that is such a good fit for Atlanta, too. I think Christian Fulton coming in has an immediate impact for that defense. After the trade down, Colts fall to 17, and they go ahead and grab edge defender A.J. Epinesa of Iowa, a guy that is not in the same tier as Chase Young, but he is easily, I think very easily, the number two edge defender um, in this class. Yeah, and he has his concerns in terms of he's freakishly built, 6'5", 280, but he really never dominated. It just was so rare to see him dominate on a, you know, every snap of every game, just overpower opposing offensive tackles. And it's kind of like, why? Like he, he's on the freakish sort of spectrum uh, that Chase Young is on in terms of physical tools. Why wasn't he close to the sort of production that Mm -hmm. we saw from Chase Young? So that's concerning Uh, how he sort of, how teams view him, I think, is going to impact this draft a lot because it is a very weak pass rushing class in this draft. I think it's on the edge. It's not a strong edge defender draft. And so I think the strength is more definitely more on the interior when you look at Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, uh, a guy we like in Jordan Elliott at defense tackle, Marlon Davidson as well. That's definitely more the strength than the edge class after Chase Young. So where Epinesa goes uh, is very much going to impact, I think, a lot of picks in this draft because a lot of teams still need pass rushing help. And mm-hmm. Colts very much being one of them. If they can get him at 17, I think that would be a steal, one of the steals of the draft. 100%. 18, Dolphins. They grab Josh Jones of Houston, the offensive tackle. Raiders, cornerback C.J. Henderson of Florida. Jaguars, wide receiver T. Higgins of Clemson. Eagles, Henry Ruggs of Alabama, the speedster. I love that fit as well because, I mean, he's what they wanted Deshaun Jackson to be this year. They need a receiver that can legit 
ch- you know, get to the, you know, stretch the field, mm-hmm. be a deep play, big play threat. And he's also, and, and I say this every time I bring up Henry Ruggs, he's got great speed. I know that. He probably runs in the four twos come the combine, but he's also a very much improved route runner down the stretch of the season. I think this guy can create separation at the short and intermediate levels mm-hmm. of the field in addition to kind of pushing defenses and really going down the field. Yeah. Henry Ruggs of Alabama. I mean, like he yeah, he is he is very much a complete wide receiver, and a lot of people uh, like point to the LSU game against Christian Fulton, and it wasn't necessarily just a complete domination from him. But like, if you're beating a cornerback like Christian Fulton that consistently, uh, the way he did, it's very even necessarily not getting the ball as much as he did. Like, it was very. In- it's very indicative. You can you can still glean a lot of information from the routes where he's not necessarily still getting the ball. I think that's more important. The ability to get open is far more important than necessarily your raw production uh, that he didn't really have at Alabama. Yep. And I think you, you have to watch that game where Henry Ruggs against Christian Fulton. I think you find out a lot about both players in that game. I think it's definitely a game to watch. Number 22, you had the Detroit Lions trading back up into the first round and grabbing Jordan Love of Utah State, trading, you know, trading with the Buffalo Bills to come up to 22. I think that makes a ton of sense with the current situation. Matthew Stafford only getting older. Injuries have always been a concern for him. Go grab a project at that position that could sit behind Matthew Stafford for a year plus and maybe potentially be that guy down the road. Oh, yeah, there and there are reports of you know possible split between Stafford and the Lions and getting you know you know with that trade down that they make at the number three position getting an extra first rounder it's almost like icing on the cake you can mm-hmm. take a swing at a position like quarterback you can get a guy like Jordan Love and say hey you know Stafford if injuries pop up again whatever they have over the course of his career uh, we have another guy in the pipeline that can you know that can you feasibly move on from and Stafford has trade value as well it's not like Stafford necessarily just like you have you ditch him and kick him to the curb if Jordan Love turns out to be good too again you have two good quarterbacks the trade value of the quarterback position is such that you should be willing to make moves like that if you're a team without a without a Patrick Mahomes without you know a surefire top five quarterback if you have a fringe you know top 10 to 15 guy I think you should be taking more swings at the quarterback position because all the quarterback is the one position where the value uh, just sustains the draft value will can only get higher if Jordan Love shows anything a team is going to be willing to part ways with a first rounder for a guy like that maybe the Bills pick up Matthew Stafford in that trade scenario yeah. I don't know I, I, obviously they want to stick with Josh Allen continue to see him develop but I mean Matthew Stafford yeah. would be an immediate upgrade if we're being honest 23 New England Patriots they bring in safety Grant Delpit of LSU we've talked about him ad nauseum a, a rangy athlete great instincts love his size the missed tackles are what the concern really is but outside of that this guy has a lot of positive traits mm-hmm. 24 saints grab wide receiver lavisca chanel of of colorado a very versatile player that played almost exclusively outside receiver this year largely because of injuries this guy when he's healthy he wants to be used all over the football field in the backfield in the slot the return game all of these things i think you get a legitimate weapon that you can get creative with that the saints want to do that sean payton wants to do in lavisca chanel if you take him at 24 i say there's probably no better coach in terms of just purely scheming balls into his playmaker's hands than 
Sean Payton. Like, like he, he will, if he has a guy who has a particular skill set, he will find a way to utilize that. I.e. Taysom very, Hill. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean exactly. Taysom Hill. Like, Taysom like Hill. no no offense coordinator. There's few offense coordinators that would use Taysom Hill mm-hmm. the way Sean Payton does. And, and, and I think you give him a guy like that, Zach's I mean, yeah. world's better from an athletic standpoint, LaVisca Chenault, he's going to make some, some game-changing decisions. Well, and even Michael Thomas early in his career ran a fairly limited route tree for the Saints because they knew those were the routes he was good at coming out of Ohio. State and so they schemed to that like they they didn't ask him to do a, a lot of what he's doing now in that Saints offense and was still productive so I think you can very much do that with LaVisca Chanel he has a skill set that can be productive it's not a complete wide receiver skill set yet at this point though number 25 di marlon davidson of auburn a guy who lit up the senior bowl in just one practice you move him interior this guy could be a really game-changing player at the next level can offer pass rush help absolutely and then number 26 after that trade down with the with the lines they get back into the mix here Bill, Bill's. I, I'm confused by this trade scenario. Via Lions, via Dolphins, via Texans. Where are we at right now? The Lions got an extra first round. That's right. From the from, oh yes, from the Dolphins. Gotcha. With gotcha. that move up to the top. The wow, overall impressive. Pick, the this is impressive. Down. All so right, a lot of a lot of movement. This happening is a lot here, of movement basically, here. Basically, Bills the, via Lions, via Dolphins, via Texans. They grab wide receiver Denzel Mims of Baylor. I think the Bills are in a very much a situation where, with that 22nd overall pick, to where they can move down because wide receiver is such sort of a glaring. That's what we're gonna go after in this draft that with the wide receiver class the way it is you have a lot of different options that will fulfill that need at wide receiver that you don't need to be you don't need to be one trading up to go get your guy you don't necessarily need to be sitting at 22 and just being like yeah we'll take him because that i don't think the difference between guys like uh t higgins brandon Ayuk, and denzel Mims is all that great Mm -hmm. like i think all of them can be very productive in that offense so you move down they get a guy like denzel Mims. Big catch radius, great contested situations, very explosive. Uh, I think it would be a perfect fit for them. I love Denzel Mims. I mean, he had such a good senior bowl. I mean, he's so explosive yeah. on tape. But then when you find him, see him at the senior bowl and he's asked to run a very a, a variety of routes at the senior bowl and still has significant su- success on them. That was a big change in mm-hmm. his draft stock, I'm sure. I mean, him him seeing him be able to do what he did at the senior bowl was impressive. He beat those cornerbacks down all week long and including the game. Number 27, Seattle Seahawks cornerback Trayvon Diggs of Alabama. I want to stop there a little bit. I was watching a ton of Trayvon Diggs last night. And I feel like you watch the tape and you see this guy that's very instinctive, great ball skills, love his technique at the line of scrimmage and down the route. I love the way he uses his hands down the route. It's not PI per se, but mm-hmm. he does a good job of like using contact to benefit him, but he's not a burner. He's got good no, size, yeah. good length. He's probably going to run four or five plus. Where do you see a comp for him in the NFL and what, what, what kind of ceiling does this guy have in the NFL? I mean, the thing is, he's just so damn long. Like mm-hmm. He is probably one of the longest cornerbacks in terms of just like uh, what he can do at the line of scrimmage to come. A perfect up reason why seven. Seattle would pull the trigger. Yeah, exactly. Like that is that is why like Seattle makes almost too much sense for him. I I would be hard pressed to see them passing on on Trayvon Diggs if he is sitting there at twenty seven staring them in the face. So like he he's very much I think needs to be in a press heavy situation in uh, in the NFL to succeed. Like I think that is where his bread and butter is in off coverage is definitely going to be more of a limited guy, but I think he's, he doesn't necessarily just have to be playing press man. He can play press and zone coverage as well. Had showed very good instincts. I mean, the pick he had against Joe Burrow in the LSU game was in zone coverage uh, coming off a guy. So that was uh, nice as well to see. So I, I do think that Trayvon Diggs, uh, the speed, would be an issue if he wasn't. I mean, it still is an issue, but it would be much more of an issue if he wasn't uh, 
if he was in sort of a, a scheme that's not going to play to his strength of mm-hmm. press coverage. Yeah, no, I, I think tra- you can win with Trayvon Diggs, but understanding what his limitations are are interesting. I think the comp to Xavier Rhodes is fair, but you remember Xavier Rhodes coming out around four four three, close to it. I think Trayvon Diggs maybe runs a little bit slower than that. It'll be interesting to see. That, I think the, the combine is very important for mm-hmm. Trayvon Diggs. I mean, physically, he's very much... He's very close to Richard Sherman. And it's yeah. always like difficult. You're not going to be like, oh, the comp is for him, Richard Sherman. But it's like <laughs> physically, they have similar skill sets. No one, uh, you know, Sherman has incredible ball skills, like former wide receiver. That's not necessarily Trayvon Diggs. But I do think if you're just going purely physical traits, that's probably your closest sort of corollary. He's got some receiver bloodlines, though. He's related yeah, to yeah. Stefan Diggs. He's got some, there's some play there. All right, number 28, Baltimore Ravens linebacker Zach Bond of Wisconsin. We talked to this guy in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. He wants to play off-ball linebacker in the NFL. Said he's open to playing anywhere, but he wants to prove that he can actually take significant snaps at off-ball linebacker, play in coverage, and not get exposed. You give the Baltimore Ravens, Don Martindale, and create you know a versatile player like Zach Bond. He uses him to the best of his ability, in my opinion. I think Zach Bond and the Ravens again might be the best fit in this mock right now. That's the thing; it's his versatility and his his blitz prowess. Like mm-hmm. he can be an off ball linebacker who uh, you know is basically splitting his time fifty fifty between blitzing and dropping into coverage, and is a weapon. Like he'll beat offensive guards on the blitz. Like he beats offensive tackles on the regular at at Wisconsin. Came in at two hundred forty pounds at the Senior Bowl. I mean, that's still good enough size if you do want to use him off the edge in, you know, obvious passing situations to where he probably can beat some offensive tackles in the league still. Uh, So, yeah, going to the Ravens with just the way that defense is set up, uh, I think offers something that they really do not have at the moment. Titans at number 29 grab edge defender of LSU, Calavon Chason, a guy with crazy athleticism. You like his length, you like his size. The tools are all there. Production inconsistent, a reason why he probably falls to the back end of the first round, if not day two. Number 30, Packers grab linebacker Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma, an athletic, rangy guy. But I know you're not as high on him as others are. I think a lot of people have Kenneth Murray as linebacker one in yeah. this class, but you're, you have a different opinion of Kenneth. Yeah, I'm just a little lower on him. Like, I don't see the playmaking ability and coverage. I think he had four pass breakups his entire college career. You know, three years of starting at Oklahoma, he's only gotten his hands on four balls, and that's you know in the in the Big Twelve, they're mm-hmm. passing a lot. Yeah. Like, he should he should have probably like with all the athleticism. It's curious why he hasn't been more productive in coverage. Uh, he's a much better player going forward than he is going backward. Uh, I I think the Packers will covet him though because of well how kind of that defense is set up in terms of uh, they they have one off ball linebacker basically mm-hmm. in that defense and they needs that guy needs to be able to cover a lot of ground in the running game and be able to make plays sideline to sideline. Blake Martinez fairly consistently this past season struggled with that. He just could not cover as many gaps as they were asking him to cover. He's not that guy athletically. Kenneth Murray is. Kenneth Murray has that explosive ability to to cover multiple gaps, to chase down linebacker or excuse me, chase down running backs in space. Uh, we very much you know saw in the NFC Championship game. Blake Martinez does not. So I do think uh, that they'll covet someone like Murray, even if he necessarily isn't the best in terms of making plays and coverage. That's not what they asked Blake Martinez to do. Uh, when he was in coverage, there was a lot of clean up the stuff in front of you. I think that's what Kenneth Murray does uh, 
that's his strength if there if uh you know if there is one san francisco 49ers at 31 uh off the tackle austin jackson of usc maybe the heir apparent to joe staley or maybe mike mcglinchy finally takes over at left tackle when joe staley does eventually agree to or no choose to hang up the cleats and number 32 patrick queen of lsu the linebacker this guy has been a rocket of draft boards ever since the national championship game people jumped on this guy's bandwagon saw his playmaking ability the athleticism i I feel like people started comping him to Devin White. They're like, oh man, this guy has legit ability at the next level to be a rangy coverage linebacker with playmaking ability. But again, he didn't pop rest of the, you know, there weren't a ton of other games. It was inconsistent production. Yeah. There is some concerns in his tape. He could rocket himself into the first round, but there's also this opportunity to fall to day two, just knowing that there are concerns with his tape and production. Yeah, he's he's a smooth coverage player, but he really looks undersized. I know he's listed at 227, which is more than uh, some other linebackers in this class, but he, he looks small. Mm-hmm. Like it, when he when he has to take when he's asked to take on blocks, it can get ugly. Like that's not going to be his game. But he is so smooth in coverage. Uh, and you mentioned the playmaking ability they showed in the national championship game. He is quick to read, quick to read screens, quick to read runs. Like he has good instincts for the position. But the, just the size, we're we're a little lower on him because of that size issue. Uh, because I don't think he's also like on the level of Kenneth Murray athletically. I don't think he's that sort of freakish. He's just a good athlete for the position. All right. Well, that's going to do it for you know the you know PFF's latest 2020 NFL mock draft. Remember, you can check out the full mock draft on the ticker below, live on YouTube or on PFF.com. We talked about some of our favorite fits there. Now go to the next segment here. Before I do so, though, mm-hmm. what do you think of the shirt? I dig it. Dig Stripes. it. Is it proper cloth? Do you like the proper cloth or what? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, this what I'm wearing now on the podcast is proper cloth, courtesy of our sponsor uh, from propercloth.com. I mean, it, it, I love the style, the fit. I mean, we've talked about this at nausea on the podcast. I can't get enough of proper cloth. I wish I was able to go down to Miami and show it off as well because I think I would have fit pretty well. This is like a, open up the buttons, you're laying down on the beach. Like, dude, is that guy wearing proper cloth? I, I think you'd get pretty great compliments on this in South Beach on proper cloth. But remember, with proper cloth, you can go there. Um, um, and go to propercloth.com. You can save $20 off your first shirt using PFF, promo code PFF. Some exciting stuff going on at propercloth.com. Super easy to find your fit, your style, all of those things. Definitely love what they're doing down there. And um, you can also get you know personalized messaging on the cuff. I got my initials. I got your mom's initials on my right <laughs> cuff. I mean, I feel like that's like some pretty talented stuff. Did you I, get the initials on that one? No, I didn't get the no. Not on this one, but on a different shirt. It's, okay. it's, it's uh, you know, you got to be versatile with what you choose at uh, PC.com. All right. Let's go ahead and move forward here to this next, this next segment. We want to talk about some guys that are in the top 32 of PFF's latest big board that maybe based off what the NFL's, you know, what the NFL seeing in these players and what we've heard from when we're talking to media and other uh, talent evaluators at the senior bowl, guys that could potentially fall out of the first round and be value picks at the top of uh, day two. And I want to start first with, you know, the highest guy on our big board that did not make your latest mock draft. What you think will happen or in, in the 2020 NFL draft mm. was Curtis Weaver of Boise state. And I think, talk to me about what, you know, what those concerns are you're hearing from the NFL as opposed to what you see in this player. Athletically, he does not have basically the profile mm-hmm. profile that you want from an NFL edge defender. Like he is not, doesn't have necessarily the length, doesn't have the get off, doesn't have the bend. Okay. Like that's, yeah. And, and then it's almost, if he were doing this, so if he were, uh, you know, doing this at Ohio state, if he was putting his production up and he's in the big 10 and he's facing real offensive tackles week in and week out, 
I don't think it would be nearly as big of a concern. But when it's dominating lesser competition with lesser physical tools, you very much worry about how big a leap that is going to be and just how different it's going to be to have to beat the tackles you're going to have to beat in the NFL versus the tackles you had to beat at Boise State. And so when you don't have those physical tools, you feel less great about it translating. To me, though, he's beaten uh, or he's been as productive or more productive than any other edge defender we've seen, you know, non-Power 5 edge defender we've seen. Like I've said before, the only guy to ever put up back-to-back pass rushing grades of 92.0 in back-to-back seasons. Not, none of the Boses did that. Miles Garrett never did that. Uh, Chase Young never did that. Like that, that. His production over the last two years has been off the charts. Three straight seasons of at least 20-plus combined sacks and hits. Like He's just gotten the job done no matter who he's faced. And so at that point, like the gap is like these guys are still offensive tackle. Like they're still uh, some of these guys are still good tackles that he's facing. Like they're not all purely mm-hmm. just awful. Uh, even despite you know the level of competition, he was going up against a guy in practice. Uh, you know, pretty much every year for the last three years, and Ezra Cleveland, the left tackle for Boise State, who's going to be drafted himself. So I think uh, you can get some if you get some practice film on him, see how he does in those situations. We'll feel a little bit better about him. But I, I just think that he is he's number seventeen on our board because that production is so off the charts that I feel good about translating. Yeah, to kind of highlight those two concerns you mentioned, it's he doesn't have the ideal athleticism that you want at that position, and you factor in the level of competition. Those two factors will probably have him fall a little bit. But like you said, the production is absurd. And I also watching a little bit yesterday of Curtis Weaver. I mean, he wins with his hands very well. I think he can win quickly too. Like despite you, you have to win quickly to be a top pass rusher in the NFL. You have mm-hmm. to be, be able to beat off the tackles very quickly, not with your second move constantly, but with your first move. And I think he showed that on his tape. Let's go to the next guy that could be a value pick that slips into round two. Jordan Elliott of Missouri. Best best graded interior defensive lineman this past year in college football. This guy, a great pass rusher, good first step. I mean, this is where the NFL is going with these interior defensive linemen, not the mountain of a man that Derek Brown is, but Jordan Elliott still, I think, can be a productive player in the NFL. I have a take. Mm -hmm. I think Elliott is going to be one of those guys that throughout the draft process, you start hearing, oh, he's been rising up draft boards. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just more like, oh, people are finally getting around to, he wasn't a name at all heading into this year. He had only played only 395 snaps, wasn't even a starter for Missouri last season. Comes in this year, he actually had two monster games at, towards the end of last year against Tennessee and against Arkansas. We put him on as one of our you know breakouts or candidates this year. Dominates through the SC schedule. I just don't think a lot of guys have gotten to Missouri's defensive line tape yet. It's the mm-hmm. thing. It's like you don't think there's a lot of prospects. Like I think he's a guy that the more people see, the more people will be like, oh, this dude's for real. Because there's not a lot that like he's not as freakishly athletic as probably Derek Brown or not as strong as Derek Brown. Not as athletic as Javon Kinlaw, but like he ticks, ticks all the boxes you want at the position. He has size. He's 6'4", 315, long arms. I mean, has some power, has some quickness. Like he has pretty much everything you need to succeed along at the defense tackle position. Uh, I would not be surprised, or I'm not saying I'm not, would not be surprised. I firmly believe he's going to be a riser. Probably ends up in the end of round one if I had to bet right now. I mean, especially with where the NFL is going, this guy can be an impact player as an interior pass rusher in today's pass happy NFL. Yeah. We saw what, I mean, I'm not comping him to Chris Jones, but when you have a guy that from the interior that can be a difference maker, uh, play, every, play every play, and, and it's like Chris Jones had that impact in yeah. the Super Bowl. I think Jordan Elliott, maybe not, you know, doesn't have the same size or whatever, but I think can have similar pass rush production at the next level. Number 22 on PFF's big board, but slipped out of the first round of this latest mock. Julian Aquara, Notre Dame edge defender. Super good athlete. Super good athlete. And I think people are going to fall in love with this guy at the combine. I could imagine him after the combine, him yeah. rising up boards as well. I, I can't, to me, fathom why so many people are pumping up Caleb on Chase on LSU edge defender. 
and are low on Julian Aquara. Like those two don't necessarily mix to me. To me, they're like the same player mm-hmm. in terms of athletically. Okay, they're not the same player. That was bad. They're, to me, they're very similar players in that athletically, they can do anything you want them to do at the position. And, and they're not, and even though they're undersized, they both have shown they can bull rush at a high level. Aquara, though, was still more consistent, still graded out far better for us here at PFF, even if you compare both their just junior years. Uh, Julian Aquara had an 86.5 pass rushing grade. Kaylon Chason's was below 80 this past year. Like, and Kaylon Chason had a lot of obvious pass rushing situations at LSU. Like he knew they had a lot of second half leads where he knew all I have to do is attack the passer and still didn't necessarily get the job done. So that's, I don't know, that's concerning to me. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, to me, I don't know why, like what the big difference is coming from. I may regret saying this in like a couple of years after, you know, Caleb great in the NFL and Julian Aquar stinks. But like, I I truly believe that Aquar is the better prospect right now. Uh, and they're they're on similar sort of athletic tiers uh, on the edge. And I don't even think that's your Notre Dame bias. I, you've been high yeah, on yeah. Julian Aquara over Caleb on Chasen for a while now, I think for all the right reasons. Number 25 on PFF's big right board, reason. Ashton Davis, uh, safety from Cal. I mean, we heard some rumors from guys. I was talking to some guys who had some sources in the NFL say this, there, there isn't a softer safety in this class. Like calling this, calling this guy out for his lack of physicality. But you turn on tape, I see a different player. I mean, this guy's willing to hit. I mean, he's not a guy that you're going to want to play in the box at the next level, mm-hmm. but he's not, he doesn't shy away from contact and I, I also love his athleticism love his demeanor after talking to him a bit in, uh, in mobile I, I think ashton davis is getting slept on for the wrong reasons talk about the right reasons yeah. they're the wrong reasons for uh for ashton davis as i say he's been one of the better tackling safeties over the course of his career he has only 19 missed tackles on almost 170 attempts in his career like that's for a safety when you're usually tackling out in space that's a pretty good rate so i i don't really see those same things like i'm not again i'm not playing him in the box he is uh, sort of on the smaller side for a safety but i like he's he's a guy that you covet for his coverage ability deep and that's that's like what you that's that's really all that necessarily matters at the safety position in the NFL today. If you are uh, not going to be a completely versatile type of chess piece. Jalen Johnson is another guy I want to highlight that could slip in around two. But honestly, the more I hear, the more I read, I, I, I think Jalen Johnson is yeah. going to find himself in round one. A guy that does not give up the big play. I, I think he had a, a ton of success at Utah. I think he's a guy like you said, very instinctive player that could have four plus interceptions a year mm-hmm. in the NFL just based of what he could do when targeted. Uh, give me give me more about Jalen Johnson. Yeah, I mean, he's just been very productive over the past two seasons. That's some of the best sort of instincts of any cornerback in this class. Call whatever you want. Like his ability to read routes and not get burned on double teams uh, is very good. Like he has just not given up a ton uh, over the course of his career at Utah. Uh, he's not going to tick. I don't think the sort of like size boxes you love at the position. He might be a little undersized for the cornerback, but and that's why he. My, like so I, I foresaw him and didn't have him in the first round of this mock because of that but man with the amount that teams need cornerbacks he should go in the first round mm-hmm. like he should go in the first round and put him there because in fact you're in positional value yeah. I mean you're looking at you know back end you got a linebacker going to the Packers at 30 and a linebacker going mm-hmm. to the Chiefs at 32 both of those teams even though they have could invested score, in yeah. the secondary I mean go get yourself Jalen Johnson yeah factor in positional value I went on to uh, the Cincinnati Bengals podcast with Dan Horde and he asked me what's you know what's the Bengals position of need after quarterback and I said corner 
corner, corner. He's like, oh, wow. Every Bengals fan would say off-ball linebacker. But I was like, dude, think about this. You yeah. cannot force positional value at the day, uh, at the top of round two. Go get yourself a good cornerback, guys that actually have uh, a ton of impact on the defensive side of the ball rather than kind of opting and forcing need at the top of the second round. All right, number 28 uh, on PFF's big board. Again, slipping out of the first round. This guy's got some heated debate on Twitter. Jalen Rager of TCU. Yeah. People, people are on him because he's athletic. He's young. Dominator rating. I've seen some dominator rating thrown around, but then people are also off him. Catch radius. There's some drops in his tape. Um, the drop in production from 2018 to 2019, but we are on Jalen Rager. We really do like this kid's skill set. I think with a better quarterback in 2019, he's up top a lot of boards, especially and we talked about if he played for Miami or not yeah. Miami, Alabama, Alabama. Yeah. Tennessee. He's going to have better production. Yeah, I bet I, I could very much foresee Rager still sneaking into the first round because I do think he's going to go to the combine and very much win the combine. Like he's probably going to run the low four threes, 40 inch type of vertical. Like that's how explosive he is. And we've seen guys, you know, Philip Dorsett. We've, we've seen over the yeah. years speed. Damn. Still don't compare him to Philip Dorsett. The, well, I'm just saying speed still gets drafted in the first round. Yeah. Like Philip Dorsett, terrible production at Miami. You know, not limited catch race in his own right. Much more of a raw first. route oh, runner, yeah, yeah, too. Like, his oh, route running was... Rager's a much better player than Dorsett was coming out. But we, like I said, Dorsett went in the first round because of that speed. So I do think Rager has a chance making it in the John first round John Ross, too. I mean, John Ross, again, was a similar speed. Uh, number 29 on PFF's big board, Cameron Dancer of Mississippi State. Again, these cornerbacks, Jalen Johnson, Cameron Dancer, at the back end of the first round, these guys are sneaking in, in my opinion, as, as more teams buy into the fact that cornerback position is so valuable... And I know mm-hmm. it's very scheme dependent, too. There's going to be some cornerbacks that are off teams boards, knowing the defense they do play. But I think Cameron Dancer, Jalen Johnson, both of these guys, man, I, I think if you're a team that went to the postseason this, you know, this past year and you're at the back end of the first round, pulling the trigger on either of those two, it would be a, a step in the right direction. I think Dancer does have some speed concerns that he, he'll have to answer. At, and it's why a lot of people aren't as high and I'm probably as we are at number 29. He'll have to at the combine. Uh, he may run in the four fives, which four five plus. You're just going to be hard pressed to see a team draft you in the first round. That just like doesn't happen. They rarely take a chance on guys like that. You have to be pretty damn good at everything else. And I do think Dantzler is. That's why we're still high in him. But I just he might not have the speed necessarily. Like, and if you don't have the speed and you're like slightly built, yeah, that's what I was about is, to say. He's not going to have the speed. And he's also like 189 pounds. That's that's just a tough sell for teams, but dude, you can't teach uh, what he's done at the position in the SEC the last two years. All right, number thirty. Th- this guy, I mean, he could potentially slip a little bit down further on our board too. Just no, depending on where he no. has it with the injuries. Natani Muti of Fresno State. Don't you dare say that. He's not moving. <laughs> it. He's going up with anything. All right, game changer for Fresno State. That's really just battled injuries. It's the only reason that people yeah. don't really know this guy's name. It's that he's battled injuries, but when healthy, and we say this every time monster. we bring him up, he's an absolute monster. Arguably and in this case, the best guard in this class when healthy. And the thing I love is like a lot of, uh, you know, you think of like maulers in the running game. You think of J.R. Sweezy. You think you think it's almost comes at the detriment when, when a guy is really uh, that aggressive in the run game. It comes at a detriment to his pass protection. But that is so not the case with Muti. Like he is so patient. Like his pass sets are gorgeous. And he was good at left tackle, too, when they moved him out there his sophomore year in the couple games before he tore his Achilles. He didn't allow a single pressure there. And that was going up against Carter Coughlin in Minnesota as well. Like he he actually looked like he could play left tackle. Now he's not going to be in the NFL. He's still got uh, only 6'3", limited-ish length. Does, doesn't have the profile you want at the tackle position. So he's going to be a guard, but I think he's going to be the best guard in this class. And to me, he's one of the best guard prospects we've seen since 
uh, you know, Quentin Nelson, like he is just a very, just very solid prospect. I don't know. Like it's hard to describe exactly why we haven't seen a ton of tape on him over the past two years, only five games he's played in since 2017, but he's been damn good in all of them. Uh, reading through some of the YouTube comments during that. And I, I think, you know, Curtis Weaver gets brought up and that some guy says, yeah, Curtis Weaver's fat. I'm not going to argue that. I'm going to be <laughs> honest. You watch his tape specifically at the back yeah, end body. of the season. That guy's body is like, Oh man, looks like Mr. Potato head up top. He needs to show up with the combine a little bit more jacked. I'm telling you right now, this guy mm. should be on a he, he very light to, uh, diet. The anti-Jakai polite. Yes, the anti-Jakai polite. I agree with Where that 100%. Play, play jacked and then show up to combine fat. Yeah. Play fat. This guy shows up with jacked. bad weight. I mean, I mean, dude, like, hopefully he's getting the advice right now. Like, hey, you need to show up pretty cut here. Like, yeah. I mean, we can't we can't have you take your shirt off. I mean, that kind should of like, be every, like, you're a professional athlete. True. I would hope you, yeah. No, I know. But, I mean, it's easier said <laughs> than done. You get addicted to Swedish fish. Next thing you know, you go down this trail. Uh, number 31, last guy we want to bring up that, you know, inside that top 32 of PFF's big board that didn't make this first round mock is Brandon Ayuk, the Arizona State receiver. Explosive dude. Former Juco transfer that had good, didn't have good production from Nikhil Harry was there, but mm-hmm. they force feed their top guy. Nikhil Harry was force fed, and this past year, Brandon Ayuk was force fed. I still wish I could have saw him at the Senior Bowl. I, think I wanted to see him run you know, intermediate and deep level routes. I wanted to see him create separation against some of the cornerbacks down there. He didn't have a chance to do that. He was flagged in the physical process, but man, Brandon Ayuk, I still really do like those traits, and I think that's why he is there at number 31. Yeah, so he's not even six foot tall, but he has an 81 inch wingspan, which was longer what? than anyone else's <laughs> exactly anyone else's at the senior bowl so like you had chase claypool who's six four there you had uh antonio gandy golden who's six five there uh what's his face colin johnson who was i might be able six. to fly with those exactly. like he could take yeah. flight with those arms. 81 inch wingspan was longer than all of those guys uh so he has he has a bigger catch radius than you would expect for a 5'11 wide receiver. Very explosive. Unbelievable after the catch. Highest yards after yak average of his career of any of the receivers in this draft class. So uh, there's a lot to like about Ayuk. You know what I think I might do? Raw, but a with, lot to like. With Brandon Ayuk, I, I, I watched all of his all of his routes for Arizona State this past season. I didn't watch any from 2018, but I think it might be it might be good to go watch what he ran at JUCO because what the routes he's running at Arizona State are way different than you know what, what, uh, or are very you know shallow routes. A lot mm-hmm. of like y- yards after the catch stuff. But maybe his JUCO offense actually pushed this guy down the football field. It'll be interesting to see. I know against bad competition, JUCO competition, but I want to see him run those routes. I, I want to see him run. Those I know routes. it would have been nice. He, he very much could have made himself some money at the Senior Bowl. Unfortunately, I mean especially with the cornerback class, oh, man. would have been unstoppable. Him against. I think Bassey would have been just unfortunate. Unfortunate again. again Bassey didn't need that. So he, he already. Thank, thank God for Bassey. Well, that's going to do it for the two for one drafts Tuesday edition of the podcast. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. We're also live on YouTube most weeks. We're also, but the, all the podcasts do get posted to YouTube. That's going to do it again. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, two for one drafts. 